Into every generation, there is a chosen one. Uh, excuse me, two. One girl in all the world. Two, two girls? Who is this guy? She is... This might have been a... Big Miss Stake. Stake. S-T-A-K-E. Like what you kill a vampire with. A Buffy podcast. Hey y'all, it's us. From Big Miss Stake. You know, the podcast that you're listening to. Look, don't be mad, but these few episodes sound a little... rough. Like, Xander's wardrobe rough. We know. But don't worry, starting in episode 4, we have real microphones and the sound quality gets better. Like, Cordelia's wardrobe better. So, thanks for sticking with us, and happy listening! We're, we're in the zone. Oh my god, you're like an AV club. <laughs> yeah, I'm an entire AV club. <laughs> Army of one. Yo, soy el AV. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode two of Big Mistake, a Buffy podcast. I am Melissa. I'm Aditi. We are here to talk about episode three of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is called The Witch. Thanks for returning, everybody. Oh, yeah. Hi to all of our fans. Welcome back. Welcome back, fans. Um, yeah, we need to figure out a name for our legion of fans. Yes, we do. We, we could be the Slayerettes. Very like topical. Yes, yes. Yeah, also, at the end of the episode, when we drop our socials, if anybody has any ideas, please let us know. We will credit you accordingly and shower you with love. Yes, so make sure that while you're listening with half your brain, the other half of your brain is thinking for thinking about what to call yourself. Multitasking. Multitasking. So, we're back after after a week. Have you had any new experiences with vampires, demons, and the forces of darkness? It's funny you should ask that, because I have. Have you? Truly have. So, for those listening out there, I currently reside in Seattle, and this weekend, my friends and I went camping. And I'm not really um, an outdoorsy gal. I'm learning. I'm, I, I think it is a prerequisite to living here. So I'm learning to be an outdoorsy gal. So I, my friends were very kind and put together a very wonderful camping experience, but I didn't know we were going. So I was sitting in the car, we were driving out of the city and I just said, oh yeah, hey guys, by the way, where are we going? Where are we camping tonight? And my friend said, oh yeah, we're actually driving out to the peninsula and we're staying, we're camping in Forks. (gasps) And every cell of my body came alive. After years and years of learning about forks, both from television and books and fine literature, fine literature, I was descending upon the home of Edward Cullen, the main vampire in Twilight. Mm, Interesting. I don't know much about the orcs from Twilight. (sighs) So disrespectful. (laughs) So the basic premise, and don't worry, I did walk my friends through the uh, universe of Twilight while on a hike. It was two and a half hours, every minute well spent. So the mythology of Twilight is that these vampires, they are sworn to secrecy, but they also have this pesky issue of sparkling in the daylight, like full body glitter mode. So they live in Forks, which is one of the cloudiest parts of the country. So the risk of glitter is very low. So I went to Forks. This sounds like an incredibly depressing story. I Let me tell you, it is. Because <laughs> Forks is a single market economy, and the economy is just vampire-based tourism that has really died down so since wait. the book ended. Did your friends know that Forks was a hive of Twilight activity? or Everyone knows that. And to quote a a friend, when you live in Forks, you you date a vampire because there's not much else to do. It's true. There isn't much to do. So we went to Forks and I demanded to go to the, the, the Twilight store 
and I saw all the memorabilia. I saw some posters. I took photos. I saw a field, and I think it's the in my mind. I want it to be the pivotal field. So there's a scene in the book where Edward reveals himself to be a vampire to Bella, and he is full body glittering in the sun. Wow. Field. I hope it was the same field. And it it really felt like there was magic energy in the air because this was the home of Viv Cullens and probably thousands of people who have come to see this the town. Like during the height of Twilight fandom, people flew from across the world to come to Forks, which is so sad. <laughs> I I can relate to that because for a long period of my life, well, it was only about a year and a half, but it feels like much longer. My life revolved around the Twilight fan fiction that was Fifty Shades of Grey, not by choice, but because of where I was working. That's a long story. We can get into it on a different podcast. Right. You you also have had experiences with vultures. I mean, vampires. <laughs> These... Yeah, the the Fifty Shades of Grey folk, I'm not really sure what they are. They're more terrifying than any vampire I've ever encountered. But speaking of, I also have a vampire story for you. Do tell! This is not recent. This is actually when I was at that that job. Um, <laughs> a co-worker of mine is very goth. And she told us about this event that's happening at the local goth club in our town. So she told us that it was going to be a vampire ball. And I thought, oh, that's cute. Everybody dresses up as vampires. It'll be so fun. And she was like, no, it's actually the League of Austin vampires that are hosting it. And the vampire king and queen will be there to MC." And I was like, go on. And <laughs> apparently these uh, local Austin vampires, artisanal, bespoke, they... <laughs> They don't drink blood. They they sort of suck energy from you. They're energy vampires. Energy vampires. Yes, I'm familiar. And so I went and I, I saw them and I was like, all right, they look like normal humans. But most of the time the vampires in Buffy do as well. So I was like, this tracks. And then later on, I started volunteering at this institution called the Anomaly Archives. Uh, to try and get experience for my library science degree. And you meet a lot of interesting characters in the Anomaly Archives. It focuses on, like, aliens, astral projection, uh, ghosts, monsters, vampire, all sorts of anomalous entities. And the guy that I was volunteering with actually knew the vampires. And he said that they were a drag to be around. Because they sucked all his energy. Honestly, that that tracks. Because I am familiar with vampire lore, and some do suck energy. And it's interesting that your vampires are very similar to the Colin community because it's a <laughs> because lovely... they're all sad as hell. No, Melissa, because the Cullens call themselves vegetarians because they don't eat human blood. They don't drink human blood. They drink animal blood and it's a joke that they are vegetarians and very funny hilarious it's all all full (laughs) circle because edward was turned because of the 1918 spanish flu pandemic wow time really is a flat circle isn't it yeah yeah i have to tell you going to forks was great. I told my my camping buds that it was a childhood dream, not realizing that I technically read the books as an adult at eighteen. So <laughs> that 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 was that that was my that was my bad. <laughs> oh, that got me. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not my. I mean, the, the human brain is developing until twenty five. It's fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, totally reasonable. It's a reasonable thing to love. So yeah, those are, those are our most recent interactions, and uh, it sets itself nicely for our episode. It does. Yeah, now we're, we're primed and ready to talk about the witch. So our synopsis of the episode is, When students start dropping out of cheerleading tryouts by spontaneously combusting, going blind, and losing the power of speech, 
Buffy and her posse suspect a powerful witch is in their midst. Buffy herself soon becomes the target of a deadly spell as they discover the witch's true identity. Meanwhile, Xander finally musters up the nerve to ask Buffy out on a date, but in the throes of a witch's spell, Buffy's response isn't exactly as he'd hoped. Is this the Hulu recap? No, this is actually the uh, Buffyverse wiki recap, which I feel like does a better job. Yeah, because it was very thorough. Yeah. Uh, Hulu's recaps are sort of hit or miss and very vague. So if you're listening along, I feel like you would probably have a good idea of what happened in the episode now, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right, what was your first impression? Good? Bad? You know, I think that I really enjoyed the two-parter. So this was like a, you know, perfectly acceptable monster of the week energy. Mm -hmm. It was... It was good, and I will we'll address it later, but my first thoughts were perfectly satisfying monster of the week, and then I got really sad, because mothers and daughters have hard relationships, and it's really difficult. I Yeah, there, there was the terror of the witch, and also the terror of a, a maternal relationship gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it was hard to stomach, because, yeah, it was, uh, it was really toxic, both from a poisoning other people perspective as a witch, and also the legacy of trauma that a parent can inflict. I mean, it wasn't really a, a legacy. She was, I mean, she was a bad mom, and then she was a bad cheerleader. I mean, it didn't really have time to go down to the next generation. She filled both roles. She's gotta be not well. I, I mean, don't sure. think Amy is great. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna have to go fund me, Amy, some therapy. <laughs> That's fair, and and I like that this is your opinion of her because I we'll we'll put a pin in this and we'll come back and talk about it later. I'm but, ready to be on pin. All right. <laughs> I want to say that as a child, I was actually eight and not nine. I looked up the dates that it came out, and it was before my birthday, so I was even younger, which means my attraction my attraction to Xander is even more. Forgivable. So <laughs> that's gonna be more problematic, but okay. <laughs> I was eight. Leave me alone. <laughs> but as an eight-year-old, I went to my local Blockbuster video store. I made it a Blockbuster night, and I rented a DVD of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the television show. And they didn't allow you to rent the full season. It was just one DVD with four episodes <laughs> on it. So it was these first four episodes, and I watched them a billion times, and this one was my favorite. So I have a very special nostalgia and fondness for this episode. And it's even better because this is the first non-vampire episode, and it's the first episode that Angel is blessedly absent from. I did feel that loss. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was disappointing. I wonder if he was at a lapel convention. Probably. I mean, the 70s were back. It was the 90s. (laughs) You know, it makes sense that you like this episode because you and I are both devotees of the movie The Craft. Yes. And this this does feed into our interests. Mm -hmm. And also, neither of us were cheerleaders. Uh, That's true. And what gave it away. (laughs) And... Much like my dislike for Cordelia as an eight-year-old, I also had a dislike for cheerleaders in general because that was decidedly not my na- not not my lane as a preteen. So I was like, hmm, good. Which is very problematic now that I think back on it. You know, nuance is hard to develop in an eight-year-old in a television show. It's all hard. It's yeah. Thank you. It is all hard. It is all hard. So let's begin. Um, do we want to begin first with the recap, or should we start with Slay or Nay? Slay or Nay. I want to first start with my queen, Cordelia, and her athleisure. Mm-hmm. It's great. Oh, yeah, it's, I loved I lo- it. Loved it. That sports bra with the stars on it. Um she looked great in the other like all black ensemble you know she even was valiant enough in trying to pull off that slime green top with 
chocolate brown pants ah. when she was in the car. It was so bad, but she she tried, and honestly, like bravery is an important facet in developing as a teenager. So this I thought is, it was brave. This is the second episode where Cordelia has made a questionable slime green fashion choice. Maybe this is just like her her thing that mm-hmm. the costume designer is going with because mm-hmm. it is bold but not necessarily likable much like queen cordelia chase herself <laughs> that's a good point i loved in the first uh, couple of uh scenes the outfit that buffy is wearing that like really like soft blue mod dress with mm-hmm. those white tights and the boots like oh i actually yes. i really it's an, it's gonna be a name for me dog because i i'm sorry I, uh, I really, it looked kind of like a Halloween costume for a 1960s flight attendant to me, and I think she looks great in it. I just was confused by its application in a, in a modern high school. It felt kind of distracting to me. This is a stake through the heart. (laughs) That's our new segment, stake through the heart, things that hurt our feelings. Stake through the heart! Wow, I have yet to recover from this devastating betrayal, but I will soldier on as our girl Buffy in her mod dress would want me to. I also really loved the outfit that she wore, because again, I would have thought it was the pinnacle of fashion with her white white shirt, her floral top that was unbuttoned, her pink pants, just a lot of color and flair. I love that um, the cheerleading costumes were hideous. Yellow yeah. and maroon are not fun. I love the combination of yellow and maroon because of this very show. Because of the Sunnydale High School Razorbacks. Oh yeah, you're right. That was that was the name. Um, interesting. You know, you were very young. It's a very formative experience. Yeah, I was a very Can impressionable I- child. This is why I am the way that I am. I'm learning so much about you. This is a learning and friendship experience. Um, can we talk about the... Does this segment uh, qualify for us talking about the bracelet? Let's... I mean, we can talk about its aesthetic value here, I think. But okay. we'll, we'll get back to it later value. also. Okay. The aesthetic value of the bracelet is of its time and yet ugly. Oh yeah, it's very ugly. And it it reminds me of like a um like something you would put on a piece of your property to denote that it's yours, like a luggage tag or something. I think it was a not so subtle homage to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In both a literal and figurative sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The show has um, layers, man. <laughs> the show has <laughs> layers. Yeah. Uh, I guess my last lay is. I really loved that, like, I'm a sucker for floral and that floral dress with the three-quarter sleeve cardigan that Amy wears um, walking home. I, I loved it. And in general, strong outfits, some slay, some nays. Uh, Melissa and I disagree on some, I guess. I have and two humiliating slays for this episode. First humiliating slay is Willow has a... A, like striped shirt with a sort of like western style jacket on top and a plaid skirt and I think that is like the the Austin hipster in me is just salivating over the entire outfit I think it is such strong power clashing and I absolutely love it it reminds me of being in Austin in 2007 mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not proud but I have this to be honest this is your truth and Continuing down this uh, this dark path, uh, I in this episode, Xander wears many stripy sweaters, and I love all of them. That just checks all the boxes for me. I don't know why. Um, there are clips from this episode that are used in the intro to the show, and. There are clips where he's wearing this one sweater, and so it looks like a very quintessential Xander look, which, you know, I was eight, sure. 
But there's one in particular that's black and it has a bunch of randomly placed orange neon stripes. It, it like a like a confused safety vest that a drunk crossing guard would create, and I love it. You you know what though? You're right. These were embarrassing. <laughs> These are embarrassing. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's move on to the plot. <laughs> All right, on to the plot. Oh, wait, I have a segment called Is This Cute? Which we were going to do for all of our bad guys. Is it cute? For our fans, Aditi and I have long had a tradition of sending each other pictures of weird or gross-looking animals and asking each other if it's cute or not. So, in this vein, for every bad guy for every episode, we will discuss at length, if it is cute or not. So, which? Is it cute? What do you think? The entity of the witch or the telev- or the episode? The entity of the witch. She's cute! I mean, I think what's important is that Amy is thin now and therefore worthy of our time. Oh, yeah. So, very cute. Yeah. Thinness, very cute. Uh-huh. Thinness, very cute. Um, Hairstyles, very cute. I actually really... So she had, like, that whole setup in her attic... And although I wouldn't necessarily describe it as cute, I do like her dedication to the overall vibe and energy. It was a very, uh, a, a very holistic de- decorating experience, mm. which I appreciate and respect. Yeah, um, the serial killer baby doll aesthetic was consistent throughout the attic, throughout the attic. Loved it. Loved mm. it. Is this cute? You know, I'm going to say something. It was, and also made me sad, this episode. It was a complicated episode. It made me really sad for Amy. Free Amy. Yeah, I mean, a a problematic mother-daughter relationship is not cute, as much as playing with dolls maybe is. Yeah. That's that's fair. fair (laughs) Is that an accurate uh, summation of the whole episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi there. Are you a vampire, demon, or force of darkness new to Sunnydale? Are you looking for employment in a fast-paced, innovative environment with room for professional growth? Well, look no further than MonstersMonster.com. Our clients have gone on to many prestigious positions, such as a mysterious and very sexy count, violinist, relocation of Georgia required, or Supreme Court justice. We believe there's a job out there that brings out the best, or should I say worst, in each and every one of you. Go to monstersmonster.com backslash big mistake backslash school economy to learn more. Your calling is waiting for you. Yeah, okay. Let's let us let us begin. So we begin when Giles is very concerned, finger wagging. Why is he so concerned? Then we find out she just wants to be a cheerleader, man. She just does. And I don't know if it was exactly at this time, but when I was a youth, I remember cheerleading being a very important thing. And like, Well, you and I, so in the nature of full disclosure, you and I both grew up in Texas, and cheerleading and football season are sacrosanct. And so, you know, it's a big part of the high school experience. It is, and I remember, so this was 97, and Bring It On, the cheerleading movie, came out in 2000, and I remember going, I mean, I saw it in theaters, and I didn't even like cheerleading, that's how big a deal cheerleading was, and when I went to the theater, there were lines down the street, entire cheerleading squads in their cheerleading outfits were waiting to see this movie. Cheerleading was a thing in Texas, y'all. Yeah. Uh, I will say, as somebody who voraciously consumed the Netflix show Cheer, I feel also uh, like somewhat of an expert on cheer and cheerleading and the athleticism. So I do think that this episode, unfortunately, perpetuates this pernicious reality that cheerleading is just for fun or it's just cute, where cheerleading is really hard. You have to be really, really strong. And, I don't think if you know, this episode perpetuates anything, it's that cheerleading is life or death. There's nothing fun about cheerleading. That's true. 
That's that's true. I wish that I wish that they had incorporated more of the gritty underbelly of cheerleading that was but I guess they did in the in the spell casting way. So you know what? Cheer was right. It is life or death. <laughs> in the supernatural and the real way. Um Yeah, so yeah, so we start off and then we have a little clip where we see the creepy baby dolls and you're like, ooh, something is afoot. Yeah, then we move to the tryouts. I wrote down a painful comment when Buffy says to about Giles, I'd say he should get a girlfriend if he wasn't so old. Giles is like 30 and a half. No. 40 no. and a half? Giles must be 50, right? At 50 least. And a half? I can't tell. Maybe I'm emotionally more like Giles than a teenager, so I felt the attack. You're also very cranky about cheerleading because you don't have a girlfriend. That's true. Yeah. If only I had a girlfriend, the logic would dictate that I would be cool with cheerleading. It's a it's a convoluted logic, but it's airtight. The numbers don't lie. I crunch them. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is not... So I'm I'm very conflicted in this episode because this is when I find Xander to be peak handsome, and yet value personality. <laughs> Man, I will say he annoyed me less this episode. Really? But I thought yeah. he was so much worse this episode. Maybe because in my brain he had, I had really doubled down on my distaste, and then his personality is not so egregious, more as annoying versus evil. Uh, okay. You know? So you have lowered expectations, whereas... It is the subtle bigotry of lowered expectations. Yeah, I am hoping for function to match perfect form. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that one thing that poor baby Xander just really needs to just therapize himself with is his very unfortunate belief systems around masculinity. Oh, I know. It's very hurtful for him. The patriarchy hurts us all, especially Xander. Bell Hooks was right. Yeah, some someone help him. Maybe he maybe he needs me. I don't know. Um. Yes. So tell me what your thoughts were on the bracelet storyline. I was very attuned to our girl Willow during this whole interaction because she. She is stuck in this role of best friend, although she would like to be more than best friend. So she's really, like, putting her own feelings to the side like a damn good person to tell him, like, you need to pursue this if you're interested in it, blah, blah, blah. But, like, he does it right in front of her. Read the room, man. He's a really inconsiderate friend. Yeah, like, I, I understand wanting to talk it through with someone, but don't do it right in front of her, because obviously he must know on some level that she has these feelings for him. All I can say to that, two things. Forever Willow, my queen of emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. and when he says you're like a dude who's good with girls... I was going to smack him. Yeah, it's, uh, but he really does get his comeuppance later in the episode when Buffy says that she loves him so much because he's totally and completely one of the girls. That's true. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. It's good that the show is really using tired tropes because they are easy for us to understand, at least. And I mean, look, this is, this is episode three, series, uh, season one. So they've got time to build. The The thing about this show, uh, and if we get this far in our pod, you, you will hopefully see it, is that it really, the show itself grows up a lot over the course of the seven seasons, much like Harry Potter grows up over the course of the seven books. So, Aww. yeah, <laughs> we're talking about Harry Potter on a podcast. How millennial are we? Ugh, God. Let me go drink out of my girl boss cup of coffee, because I love coffee. Okay, so we are, so my notes are that, okay, just referencing cheer, I watched a lot of cheer, and I know it's not that easy to join a squad, and um, so we're there, we're watching them try out, and then this girl just spontaneously combusts in fire. What Mm -hmm. the hell? And it was truly a um, pre-Alicia Keys 
genre because no one said this girl is on fire. Yeah, truly a sign of the times. Truly. Um, yeah, so we so we are then in the library. They're talking about what's happening. They are trying to figure out what exactly is the situation. And then the part of the show that really warmed my heart is when Buffy's like, I'm going to go solve this. And then Willow and Xander are like, we're going to help you. We are a team. Slayer and the Slayerettes. It was very sweet. It was very sweet. And it really solidifies them as a unit. And I also thought it was very sweet how Giles got so excited at the possibility of a new ghoul. He does, yeah. He, he likes variety. Um, <laughs> yes, loved that. You know, then so she goes back home and the mom is trying to open up that box for her gallery. And this is like when the underpinnings of the show really got to me because at first I was like, because Buffy made that joke about like so much quality time would lead to matricide. And I was like, kids are so ungrateful. And then I watched her with her mom, and Buffy mom is not engaged at all. It was very sad. I think this was a very sort of honest portrayal of a of a relationship between a parent and a kid. And I think, you know, like, you feel that. That's why it impacted you. That's why it was a stake through your heart. But you can tell that both of them are trying just always at a different time because none of them, like, they're their capacities for emotional labor are not in sync. Yeah, and, and their their bandwidths are different, right? right. Like, uh, she's a working mom, and she she has stuff to do. Yeah, it's it was, uh, when I was small, I definitely would have been like, parents just don't understand. And now I was like, oh, they're both trying to connect. Oh. Yeah, they're both trying. So we learn, yeah, so pivoting to, from pivoting from a mom, I think, who is trying to a mom who is a nightmare, mm-hmm, Amy's mm-hmm. mom. Amy's so we, mom. We learn, uh, we learn that she peaked in high school, which how embarrassing for you. Uh, she, she's, she's a nightmare. Sounds like um, she's not creating a great environment for Amy to have healthy body image or relationships to food. No, there's a lot of emphasis on weight in this episode, and yeah. also, so some fun Buffy trivia for you. Uh, so they, in the show, describe Amy's mom as Nazi-like. Yes, I saw that. (laughs) I saw that, yeah. In the German translation of the show, they could not reference Hitler, and so they changed it to say, uh, instead of Nazi-like, they say, she's sort of like Wonder Woman, and Willow responds, yeah, something like that. That is so funny, and is not at all the same connotation. Nope. Not at all. So I thought that was, uh, that was interesting. Wow. I wonder if they could have gone, like, she's like, Pol Pot. That would have maybe landed a little bit better. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, we can, we can send a letter. Let's, uh, let's voice our outrage. Let's get a campaign going. Yeah, we have a Twitter now. We can mobilize our fans. We do. We will drop the deets at the end, guys. Yeah. Don't worry. Wait until the end for our sick Twitter Wait handle. The end. Yeah. So yeah, so you know, we we um we talk we learn about Amy's mom and then they uh they have I think another tryout and Amy like falls on Cordelia or something and then Cordelia like threatens her in the locker room wearing a fabulous leopard dress. I cannot believe I forgot to talk about this. This leopard dress was an ultimate slay, 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 slay. She looked great. I loved this scene for many reasons. I think they really stepped up Cordelia as a source of pure high school evil because they did a sort of like uh, Friday the 13th camera move where it's like clearly someone with a shoulder mount like like uh, sneaking through the locker room very Camp Crystal Lake and Cordelia is so menacing when she's talking to Amy and she looks like she's actually going to threaten violence, which is not really Cordelia's bag before or after this. So I thought it was a really uh, interesting scene for her. And I really enjoyed it. I thought our girl Cordelia did a great job. What can't she do? I ask you. No, uh, she she went from funny evil to like, oh, shit, she real evil. The girl has range. The girl, the girl has range. It was um pretty great. So then we get... A, then, then they have the, I think they, they list out 
whoever wa- like whoever got made it on the team in a very public way could be just rife for emotional meltdowns considering it's high school. That so. was how I think it was how it was done in my high school. They like posted a list and they did that for everything, like for who got a part in a play or, you know, any of that high school stuff. I genuinely don't remember what we did. It, that just sounds unnecessarily messy, but I mean, who knows? It was public school. Yeah, I mean, how else would they do it? Like, I never got emails from my school. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. This is this is something I'll have to uh, <laughs> I have to go back in my memories, and I don't know if I want to do that. So uh, let's yeah, suppress for a reason. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they ha- that happened, and then um, I have some some notes on Buffy mom trying to bond, as we discussed earlier. It's very difficult, and then um, well, this one was particularly hurtful to me. Uh, this was a stake <laughs> through my heart because Joyce, sweet wholesome Joyce, suggests that Buffy joins the yearbook. And Buffy says, have you seen the kids who work on yearbook? Nerds pick on them. You know who was on yearbook in high school? Fans, it was me. My sweet, innocent Melissa. Do yeah. nerds pick on you? I was a nerd. They were my people. So they wouldn't They wouldn't hurt their own? No, they would not hurt their own. It wasn't a snake eating its own nerd tail situation. I, I was... It was just all the other people who picked on me. It's fine. Wow. Yeah, I I I did clock that joke and I I wrote uh cheerleader to your book demotion. I guess your book is not cool and now I know. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> um I we are remiss if we don't mention the spooky scary scene in the brick house with that green cauldron bubbling and then the Cordelia voodoo doll goes in for a green bath. Something is afoot. Something is afoot. And I I really enjoyed how green they made whatever goo was in that potion. It was very aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> it to was me. radioactive. It was very satisfying to see. I think it was like uh it was like what watching a slime video would be now to me as a child. <laughs> it was the it was your childhood ASMR video. It was. <laughs> Very satisfying. <laughs> so yeah, so we cut to school, and then um, Queen Cordelia is wearing that tragic outfit, but she's rocking it. So oh wait, before this, uh, Xander is talking to Willow about asking Buffy out, and he's being painfully obtuse. This is a stake through her heart. And she kind of gets her revenge by talking about how he doesn't really notice her, like a pen. Not, you know, like... Uh, and he says, you don't have to drive it through my head like a railroad spike. And it was a stake through his brain. Mm-hmm. Fans, you, I do, I know that I'm hard on Xander, so apologies if I'm picking on your man. But my note was, invisible man syndrome is prequel to men's rights activism. Interesting that you apologize to the fans and not to me. You're included in the fans. Oh, yeah, I am a fan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. <laughs> you you can be both. You can have it both. I'm I'm what they call a fander. That's a Xander fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, to all my fanders out there. So, yeah, you're right. That that scene was rough. Um, but I think that again, our girl handled it with grace and with com- with comport, and she's just she's great. She's great, honestly. I don't know if I would have been able to handle that level of emotional torture at 16. No, no I would have listened to even more Alanis said than I did in high school. Truly, it was the most jagged little pill. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so we now cut to the action part of the episode, a.k.a. driving lessons. Yes. Yes. Did you have driver's ed in your school? No, um, I was taught driver's ed um, in, in the summer, and the person who taught me driver's ed was a retired 
athletics coach from a high school and he just did not care he was here to make road warriors not road law-abiding citizens so we learned how to drive by hook or by crook (laughs) that is terrifying i wish that you had told me this before you drove me around seattle actually i felt very safe at the time (laughs) yeah he uh he he was Someone who just, uh, you know, the the trope of like, it's the cop's last day and he's like ready to retire and then something bad happens. Yeah. Like I picked the wrong, yeah, he had that energy. <laughs> Did anything bad happen to him? No, he just drove around a bunch of dumb kids. Oh, okay. Well, I hope that I he did say, make it to retirement. <laughs> I will say I have this very distinct memory of him trying to game the system where, you know, you have to drive for a certain amount of hours and observe for a certain amount of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, he would take us for driving and observing, but he we were forced to stop at every gas station and we were forced, the children in the car were forced to scamper out the car at every gas station and furiously check every single gas pump to see if someone left their receipt because if someone left their receipt, we, he would take it and then submit it for reimbursement. Shut up. The level of casual thievery and children as accessories to casual thievery in Texas is so mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> I can't believe you never told me that before. This is a learning and friendship adventure. <laughs> Hopefully more of these gems will slip out over the course of the, of the pod. <laughs> yeah, so that, that happened. Um, so Cordelia is in driver's ed, and that's why I can draw from a really robust font of information. I'm intimately aware of driver's ed. I was always under the assumption that if you're teaching driver's ed in the driver's ed car, there's like an emergency brake that you can pull as the instructor. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that model. I, maybe it was a, a witchcraft thing. The parking brake was also cursed. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah that's very thorough. Yeah. It, it, it was tied to another one of the Barbie dolls in the background. It was like a one of those Malibu Barbie convertibles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my notes are... Um, this car, doesn't this car have emergency brakes? This seems ripe with lawsuit potential. Cordelia's hair looks great. So my notes for this scene is that after Cordelia almost crashes the car, um, she stumbles out and she, like Queen Bee Mean Girl several decades after her, Regina George, is nearly hit by a bus. And I wonder if this is, like, inspiration somehow. It was very scary. And then... Buffy just, like, hops over some cars, gets her out of the way, and saves her. And then that eyeball scene was very freaky. That would have scared me as a child. Buffy does some parkour, some, like, parallel parkour action to to get Cordelia out of the way. I loved that one. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so so she saves her, and then um, the gang is in the library, and they deduce that it is Amy, who is the witch. However... They they were like, how do we know which student is a witch? Oh, I know. They probably checked out the books on witchcraft from the library. And it's such a huge, long setup. And the payoff is that Xander is a creepy pervert who checked out the library books to look at the nude engravings. And I there's a, a scene later on in the series where Xander gets frustrated and he yells, I am tired of being everybody's butt monkey. And I feel like Xander is the butt monkey for not only every character on this show to shit on, but also the show itself. This was such long setup for such little payoff. But I guess, I mean, at the time in 97, you weren't really using the internet for research. So maybe that would be a logical step. And they, they just had to rule out that obvious plot loophole that doesn't seem obvious to us now. Yeah. Yeah. In my notes, I wrote, Willow is so good at things, including science and witch deduction, and finding out Xander is perfect. <laughs> Don't need witch deduction for that. This is true. So yeah, so then we have the scene in the science classroom, 
and I was really distracted by Buffy's purple like troll pen pencil. Mm-hmm. I really wanted one of those as a kid. They were very cool. Oh yeah, I was super envious of the people who had those, and they sold them at like the limited two, and I thought it was or very Blair's. exciting to be near yes. them and their fuzz. Yes, 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 yes. Um, very limited to energy, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they're there, and then we have confirmation Amy is the witch, but as we get confirmation, the girl with the soda mouth was so scary. Oh, yeah, I thought that was really cool. As as a child, I thought that was, like, the coolest effect ever. It was very cool, and second black person on the show, so for those keeping at home, <laughs> keeping Tally at home. Unfortunately, not a speaking role. Yeah, not a speaking role. Yeah. But a very cool effect. You're right. Mm-hmm. Very scary. So then we get to the scene with her mother. Yes, Amy goes home and she is super mean to her mom. She has a very uh, a very girl boss energy when dealing with her mom. I can be just as exploitive as a man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She- she does. She's very mean. And that's when, dear viewers, I thought, something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Did you think that? Yes. I'm very well read. <laughs> so so we see something, what what happened? Something in, in Denmark is illegal. What does Hamlet say? <laughs> you went to college. I didn't major in hands. <laughs> I'm not a nerd. I didn't go to your book. <laughs> oh, steak. In my heart. <laughs> so something is rotten in the state of Denmark because Amy is really mean to her mom and her mom seems to have this deferential relationship. And we're like, hmm, hmm, something is, something is up. Right, Denmark so is, Denmark's fucking weird. Like, Denmark's really weird, yeah. <laughs> Denmark uh, is really weird right now, you guys. <laughs> is that your, um, <laughs> is that your <laughs> annotated version of Shakespeare? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alas, poor Yorick. What is up with Denmark? What is the deal? <laughs> Did you know that William Shakespeare named his child Hamnet? This has been Shake Talk. <laughs> shake Chat. That's a Shake Shack pun. <laughs> so speaking of acting really weird and like we're loopy, this next morning, Buffy wakes up after uh, after Ham Mom has done magics using the bracelet that she stole from Buffy. And you can tell yeah. Buffy's a little off. I wrote, what upper did they put Buffy on? What upper? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> then I realized later on in the show, oh, was this her supposed to be drunk? This was written for children. Yeah, you, you really learn about the dangers of cheerleading, the dangers of witchcraft, and the dangers of alcohol in this episode. But the alcohol is heavily implied. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she's on an upper. She tells her mom she's a slayer. Yeah, she tells her mom she's a slayer. And Joyce is like, you wacky kids and you're slaying. Mm-hmm. I love Joyce. She's, I'm lukewarm on her, but I'm sure I'll get warmer. I just think she is such a wholesome mom character. You know, she's not perfect, but she tries, and she has such deeply uncool mom energy that I can't help but appreciate how well done her nerd mom character is. Yeah, and much like Hamnet, her hair is like Annette of hair. <laughs> her hair is like Annette of hair. They all don't work. It's a numbers game. I'm like the pickup artist, but for puns. <laughs> oh god, there's something there. Think, woman, think. You know what? We'll come back to it. So, okay, so we are so we are back in school, and then they are performing, and Amy, but her mom and the body of Amy is at the top. And this is how I knew this was not a real cheerleading situation, because cheer has taught me that you put a fire at the top, and they're usually the smallest people because they have to get on top and do crazy things. But, you know, um, not everything can be real life. So you see that and then you then, then she starts having these like weird moments because our buddy Giles and Buffy and the mom who is actually Amy have banded together with a spell book to cast 
the mom out of Amy's body. Oh, yes. So things escalate really quickly because fun, wacky Buffy uh, goes to Giles and... Oh, also, she throws a cheerleader across the gym onto a hard floor, and everyone is not just, everyone's just overlooking that conveniently. But they take her to Giles, and he goes, oh, she's so wacky. She has three hours to live. It escalates so fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's not ideal. No, it's Uh, not ideal. And then we get confirmation that it's a Freaky Friday situation between Amy and her mom, and... So then she gets, she starts getting the flashes of them doing their anti-witch stuff. Uh, she senses that they are messing with her magics. And then there's a showdown. The showdown was good. The showdown was really good. I enjoyed watching Buffy yet again use her brilliant mind because she's not just arm strong and leg strong. She's brain strong. Mm-hmm. When she pulled down the mirror to reflect back the ultimate spell, genius. Yes, very genius. And also, like, I I guess shows an instinctual understanding of magic, because I would not have thought to do that. How would would I know? How would you know? No, I think that she's very intuitive, because as a slayer, she has a finger on the pulse of the supernatural nation. (laughs) That's true. She sure does. She sure does. Uh, yeah, so so they are able to reflect the spell back, and the spell, this is why the episode is so heavy, man, is supposed to be a spell for Amy, and you realize how mean she was to her daughter. That's true. I never really thought about it that way, um, but it was a very sort of Twilight Zone ending where she wanted so badly to relive her glory days And in the end, she winds up immobilized inside the very trophy commemorating her glory days. Very Twilight. Yeah, it was good. It was (laughs) not Twilight. Twilight Zone. Very Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) You've got real one-track mind. (laughs) You know, as someone who just went to Forks, my body and mind. I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but I just went to Forks. Look, you never forget. Your first fork in. <laughs> I saw it coming and I wanted to run. You're gonna experience your first knifing. I'll tell, <laughs> tell you what. Um, yeah, I thought the one one part I didn't think was cute before we wrap up was when our sweet slayerettes come to try and defend Buffy. It was very sweet. It was. It was very cute. I do love the gang. Yeah, I love them as a group. And I like how they have individual relationships with each other as well as a relationship as a unit. And I, um, as a last note, when they have Amy as herself again and not possessed by her mom, I really enjoy how they sort of dressed her younger to make her look like a kid. So she has like a tie-dye shirt and plaid pants. I was very into it. I was a huge fan of plaid pants as a youth and also now. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not... (laughs) Let's not mislead the fans, Melissa. Oh, no. my! I wish I was wearing plaid pants right now. In fact, it is a stake through my heart that I am not. I hurt my own feelings. You staked yourself. I staked myself. Yeah, Stakes I thought it was very sweet. I thought the ending was very sweet. I thought, like, the whole thing about her dad coming back was great, and she was going to make brownies. It was a very, um, it was, it was a nice wrap-up. And then the scene with the mom in the trophy with the eyes was scary. Oh, yeah. I think that is such a a reason that I love this episode so much, is it had such satisfying visual effects, like Cordelia's eyes, the cheerleader whose mouth disappeared, that beautifully green cauldron goo, and the eyes in the statue. They are, this imagery is forever seared into my mind grapes. It was good. It was good. Shall we, anything else before we rate it? The other thing I have is, as as children of Texas, I thought when they went to the basketball game, I was like, all of this for basketball cheerleading? That's what I thought! That's exactly what I thought! I literally had this moment that I was like, okay, so if it was basketball season, I guess it means it was later on in the year, because they wouldn't, but why would they have tryouts if they didn't have a football season? I'm so glad you also clocked this devastating omission. Yeah, um... 
for all of our insert fan group name here later, who are not in Texas, Friday Night Lights was not playing around. I assume I've never seen Friday Night Lights. It's not. I have seen it. Uh, Yeah, football is a very big part of high school life. I don't really care for really any sort of movement, but I went to all of the football games because that's where everybody hung out, even people on yearbook staff. Yeah, uh, as true children of Texas, we, we clock that. Yeah, yeah, all of this for basketball. Basketball. Ooh. So now that that's, that's been aired, I feel so much lighter. <laughs> How would you rate this episode? Um, low medium. Low medium? Wow. Wow. Is it because Angel's not in it? <laughs> it was fine. I enjoyed it. I thought it was um, it was good. It was interesting. It was scary. I liked the plot line uh, of like the chemicals, you know, like the mystery element of it. It was good. You know what? After reflecting, medium. Thank you. Our friendship wasn't going to survive. This will be a two episode podcast. <laughs> so, what would have made it a high stakes for you? I want to know more about Buffy. I want to know more about, like, where her dad is. I want to know more about, like, just the, like, why was she chosen? Like, what are Slayers? You know what? I think it's interesting in in this episode, you were like, I want to know more about Buffy's backstory. Why is she this way? And in the last episode, you were like, I want to know why vampires are evil. But you don't have that feeling about witches. Whereas I feel like witches can be neutral or positive, whereas vampires are pretty much like unanimously evil a creature that is pretty much unanimously evil because melissa i am unlearning all of the damage the patriarchy has done onto me i so are you conflicted because i feel like forks is dragging you in the other direction (laughs) um i just i unless i'm wrong my assumption is that this is not like a perpetual narrative with the witches that's why so i was Mm. like i want to know the vampires because i know that that's a that's a consistent antagonist in this oh yeah it's in the name yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) okay give me your rating this one's tough for me because i have deep deep nostalgia for this episode and and so emotionally it is high stakes for me but trying to take my heart out of it I would agree with you that it is a medium to low stakes episode. Hmm. But I do think it does important work in that it opens up the field of uh, of evil. And we know it's not going to be just vampires because the first two episodes were very vampire heavy and it is in the name. But this really shows that it could be any sort of magical bad thing. I agree. No, I like that this opened up the potential for many different beasties to come in to Sunnydale. 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 And uh, yeah, it's more opportunities for our girl to shine. It is. Yeah. She's so versatile. <sighs> wow. Is that it? Is that episode two? Three? That's it. But we're, we have been promising one thing for this entire episode. Would you like to do right. the honors? I'm ready to drop them socials. Drop them socials. All right, y'all. We're ready. We are now thrilled to launch our Gmail and our Twitter account. So you can find us at bigmistake, all one word, at gmail.com. So drop us a note. Drop us a love note. Drop us a note of encouragement. Please don't drop us mean words. I'm very delicate. But if you have to, I'll give it to Melissa. I'm, I'm willing to be brave for this. And uh, please tweet at us, follow us at Big Mistake Pod, all one word, on Twitter. Uh, we'll start uploading our podcasts and any other things we find interesting. Yeah, so just tweet at us, email us. Uh, that's it. That's what we have so far. So tell us how you identify. Tell us how you want us to identify you. What is the name for you collectively, our fans? Yes. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to send me some anti-Xander manifestos. I'm being. Um, if I'm watching our inbox, I'm just gonna send those to spam. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> Someone has to protect him. He's a victim of the patriarchy. He is. He is. And that is that. That's that. Bye, guys. Watch out for Denmark. <laughs> Bye, Amnet. Bye. Thanks for listening to another fantastic episode of Big Mistake. If you have any messages for us, or if the apocalypse comes, beep us at BigMistakePod on Twitter or BigMistake at gmail.com. That's B-I-G-M-I-S-S-S-T-A-K-E. Catch you at the bronze.